Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Evening, everyone. Uh, good to see, good to see you guys. Or, um, yeah. So that gave you an introduction already as to what we're going to be speaking about tonight, or what what I'm going to be sharing. And yeah, it's important to understand the context. It was my turn to to speak in a pastors' meeting, and it was about three weeks ago. I think that's about right. And that was when South Africa was entering in, or just the you know their third wave. And the lockdown was level four, I believe, or, or higher. And we were at the at the cusp of that. And unbeknownst to us, we weren't aware of what was to come as a nation of South Africa. This was before the devastating riots in, in KwaZulu-Natal and Gauteng. It was before we were even stretched further as a nation. I think many South Africans that are on here would testify how much must we must we endure lord how much must we endure so i do believe it was a, it was a timely word it, it was inspired by dad because the previous friday meeting dad basically asked he read the scripture and asked us what it meant to wait which which started the process and my 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 inquisitive process began and i studied the specific specific part of scripture which we're going to read now and this is a result of that so it's just important to understand how this message, how I sh shared this message in the time, and then also as a nation, how we were even tested even further and still are tested as a nation, but truly as the, the whole world is being tested right now, as we are in almost into the, going towards our second year of, of fighting this pandemic. So I think it's important if you guys can turn to Isaiah 40 verse 31. I'm going to read from the English Standard Version to start. We'll change the versions as we go. But I, you know me, I, I like a Bible study flavor. So that's what we're going to be doing tonight. Um, if you can have that passage in front of you open. So turn to Isaiah 40. And we're going to basically be camping out there uh, this evening. Isaiah 40 verse 31 from the English Standard Version. Dad already read it, but let's read it again. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Dad really, he grabbed the throat of this passage of scripture. And he, like he said tonight, exactly the same he said the weeks before. He was fixated on what does it mean to wait on the Lord? And this is what was ringing in my heart. And this is what challenged me to go through that that study and, and the product of, of the study is what we're sharing today. And we need to understand that it was, it's not just us as individuals that are being challenged right now, but families, many, I don't know about the rest of the world, but there's many of us in South Africa that know of at least one or two people that have had a loss of life. Colleagues that of ours that have passed away, uh, colleagues of ours, like Nicole's in, in her workplace, that's in in um, that is in hospital for weeks on end families that have suffered loss i mean i went when i was at getting my first uh, vaccine talking to a lady right next to me 
the devastating loss that she's had in a nucleus family. Um, it's just, no matter who you talk to, there's someone who knows about it or has gone through it or has been impacted by this, by this pandemic. But also our churches. In South Africa, we've had lockdown and we can't gather as a church. And obviously that's very impactful for many of our churches as we rely on physical gatherings. So this is what, this is what I've been saying. And like I said, this was even before the riots of KwaZulu-Natal and Gauteng. And if we weren't saying it before, we were definitely saying it after. How long, O oh Lord, must we endure? And that is a phrase that it is not unique to our time, not unique to our generations, but a phrase that rings throughout the Bible narrative, rings throughout the generations that is depicted in the Bible. Israel continually find themselves waiting on the Lord, either for rescue, for redemption, for forgiveness, or for him to establish them in the promised land. Their story, the Israel story, involves slavery, wilderness, deserts, promised lands, judgment, exile, and a variety of foreign invaders and oppressors, to name a few, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, and Rome. Israel was, and truthfully still is, in a continual state of waiting. They're waiting for the Messiah to come and redeem them and save them. So. As a Bible study, when I get a piece of verse, what I always do is I zoom out and depending, I sometimes zoom way out. But for tonight, let's zoom out to the context of Isaiah, the book. And I'm just going to give you a very quick snapshot. Don't want to spend too much time there. The passage we, 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 we're reading today in Isaiah 40, it forms part of a larger context and part of Israel's story, which I've, I've hinted on. And if we understand the book of Isaiah, and thematically, quickly, Isaiah is divided into two halves. The first half of Isaiah is filled with both warnings of judgment and promises of subsequent restoration for Jerusalem, Judah, and the nations. The second half of Isaiah speaks of on the other side of the spoken judgment, that it's already taken place and restoration is now at hand. The oppressors, which historians have identified as Babylon, is about to fall. And Isaiah 40, the chapter that we're in, fits and forms part of the second half of the book of Isaiah. Let me give you a quote just to paint the scene. I like the historical context and, and reading it through that lens, and it just brings richness to my heart. So I'm going to read you a quote from Dennis Bratcher here, who paints the historical context of this chapter. He says here, at the beginning of Isaiah 40, the people of Judah are in captivity in Babylon. Many date this book to be 550 to 540 BC. And one big question loomed large for the exiles. Since they had clearly failed to be God's people, did they have a future? Would God again work in their midst or would he simply abandon them? Could God act? This was in their hearts. Remember, they're in exile. They're in a period of they just suffered judgment. They, they fell short of, of being a nation representing God. Remember, they had allowed idolatry. And they were pursuing other things and they abandoned God. And in that abandoning God, they found themselves in a foreign nation in exile. And they felt like, is God going to answer our calls? So at this historic state of Isaiah 40, we find Israel basically in a, a crisis of faith. Where many like that has given us a real tangible example. Many find themselves today at a crisis of faith. Unbelievers 
but I do think some believers too are in a crisis of faith. They are not secure in the knowledge that God loves them, first of all, and indeed is working on their behalf because it doesn't look like it. They're in Babylon, they're in exile. Through this chapter, and you read the first lines of chapter 40, you just put your eyes on the top, I won't quote, but you see the Lord comforts Israel. He says, comfort, comfort. He declares his loyal love for them. He encourages them that their current judgment is coming to an end and that their redemptive plan is already underway. The Lord urges Israel to once again put their trust in him. And that is, this is key to this chapter and to the verses which we're going to focus on. To put their trust in him. To remain strong in their trust in him no matter what things look like. He addresses their doubts. He addresses their questioning. He declares his trustworthiness in this chapter and his ability to redeem them. So that's the context, the broad context of Isaiah and the chapter that we're dealing with. But now let's dial our focus into the last portion of Isaiah 40, where we're focusing on. And this is where we find the specific verse of the specific verse that Dad read to us already, and we've read again. But I want to, you to turn if you do have an amplified, that's great. Can you? maybe get it out or if you have the digital version just change it to the amplified and we're going to start a little higher up from verse 29 and we're going to dig deeper from Isaiah 40 we're going to start from 29 till the end of the chapter in 31 I'm going to read from the amplified it says here he gives strength to the weary and to him has no might he increases power even youths grow weary and tired and vigorous men stumble badly but those who wait for the Lord, who expect, who look for, and hope in him, will gain new strength and renew their power. They will lift up their wings and rise up close to God like eagles rising towards the sun. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not grow tired. Now we have a better understanding of these verses in the context of just a few verses above. We can see here that the Lord desires to enter a divine exchange with humanity where he gives his strength to the weary and he increases power to those who have no might. It's, that, it's like that, that, that song we teach our children that I still love today. Though I am weak, he is strong. This is basically what it is. It's a divine exchange. He gives strength to the weary and he increases power to those who have no might. But if you look specifically at verse 30 to 31, it illustrates this need for exchange, pointing out that even athletic and energetic youths grow weary and tired. Folks, everyone in this day and age, no matter what generation, are growing weary and are growing tired. There's never been such a heightened experience of young people suffering from depression suffering from anxiety, suffering from overwhelming burdens on their hearts and their soul. They are growing weary and they are growing tired. Thank the Lord that he has the answer in that verse. He says, but in and through the waiting, the Lord gives his strength and his power. To who? To those that need it most, those that are weak and those that are in need of power. You see, we need to partake in this exchange. This divine exchange and when we do partake the results are clear we will be like the king of the birds the eagle who does not need to incessantly flap his wings to, to soar to great heights 
rather, and this is the first part of the revelation that gave me in this verse, which you can see clearly, rather eagles wait on thermal updrafts with its wings outspread so that they can get caught up in these thermal updrafts, riding and rising them towards the sun. Let me read you a quote that really grabbed my attention. It took my, my basic understanding of the scripture of the eagle soaring and it just amplified it. It's from Ben Patterson and it says this, Isaiah must have watched eagles closely to see the way they soar. As birds go, eagles' wings are big, but the muscles that make them flap are not. Pound for pound, an eagle's strength is no match for the strength of a hummingbird. The strength of an eagle is not in their flapping, but in their soaring. An eagle will perch high atop a canyon below. When the rising wind is just right, the eagle will fold its wings to its side and literally cast itself into the chasm and plummet into the abyss. When the speed is just right, the bird will spread its wings, catch the thermals and rise up into the sky and soar. Isaiah didn't know the mechanism, but he could see the effect. This is a great picture of hoping in God. Through no strength of our own, we cast ourselves upon God, we fall into his mercy, and we soar on his promises. Our strength comes from trusting and soaring, not flapping or working. I really love this quote from Ben Patterson. How many of us knew that pound for pound a hummingbird had stronger wings than an eagle. I, I didn't, that's for sure. What really grabbed me is the way he, he takes nature's illustration and he makes this scripture and this patches come alive. That the great picture of hoping in God is that through no strength of our own, we cast ourselves upon God, he says. He says we fall into his mercy, like the eagle diving into the abyss. and and in casting into his mercy, as we fall into his mercy, we catch the thermal updraft and we soar on his promises. Our strength comes from trusting and soaring, not flapping and working. I love that phrase. Our strength comes from trusting and soaring, not flapping and working. You see, Isaiah 40:31, the eagle illustration is not only about the resulting soaring that comes from waiting and hoping on God but the ever important preceding plummeting as the requirement where we dive into God's mercy and into his trustworthy character, where we leave behind our own understanding, our own strength, our own way of doing things. And then only then we can enter into this divine exchange that Isaiah talks about. That we enter into this divine exchange first from our side, like a, like a, basically like a divine trust exercise where we fall back into the Lord's arms, where we let go of our abilities and, and our own way of doing things. Only then the exchange takes place where we will receive his strength and begin to soar on his thermal updrafts. Today, as I was driving and meditating on that, I'm gonna be sharing this message that I've shared before. I believe the Lord gave me a, a, a wink today. I'm driving. On Fair Trees Road, those of you who know Durbanville and Cape Town, and as I'm driving, an eagle all of a sudden, I, I was like, this can't be an eagle really of all days, but its wingspan was massive. It was a massive bird, came literally across my windscreen 
and then was doing exactly as I'm describing. He was he was soaring and floating down on these, and he was just gliding, not flapping at all. And he crossed my vision, and he went parallel to me, and the robot changed, and I was watching him as he was going towards a field, and basically he was going after Egyptian geese's ducklings because they saw him and they tried to intercept, and there was a fight in the air. And if that wasn't good enough, the Lord said, listen to the song you're listening to. And the song I was listening to was Elevation Worship and Maverick City. It is a good song, a favorite song of mine, but I just put a playlist on a random Apple Music praise and worship playlist. And at that time, that song was Wait on the Lord, where they focus on this passage of scripture. So the Lord really gave me a wink and saying, this is this is the picture that I'm trying to show. So I saw the eagle in, in with my eyes and I heard the song in my head of wait on the Lord and he will renew your strength. And that was really encouraging for me to hear. And I wanted to share that with you today. That's just one half of the illustration that I got, got from studying the scripture. The Lord challenged me to go a little deeper in my understanding of what waiting on him means. And I specifically chose the Amplified Translation for you to read and for us to share today because it expands and describes what it means to wait on the Lord. You saw in square brackets there, it said specifically to expect, to look for, and to hope in Him. I, I look Greek and I am Greek, but I like Hebrew words for some reason. And the Hebrew word of Isaiah 40, because it's written in Hebrew, is kava. The concrete Hebrew word for hope is kava. Now, let me unpack this word for us to understand its concrete nature. Kava constitutes a notion of twisting and binding together and stretching, specifically the tension of enduring in the waiting. Let me, let me unpack it further. It's like the strength of a rope, which stems from multiple strands. So a rope contains multiple strands twisted and bound together and kava is the point in which this multiple stranded rope is pulled tight, which fully realizes and demonstrates the rope's strength. So have that imagery in your mind that kava constitutes a notion of twisting multiple strands of rope, binding them together, stretching them, but kava really materializes at the tension point, at the tautness of the rope, and the enduring, that expectation, that full measure of stretching that is the waiting on the lord that tension like the eagle metaphor before the rope analogy involves a process of binding ourselves to god like that rope we give him our whole being our weakness and our, our in our feebleness of man in exchange he gives all of himself his strength and his power so as we bind ourselves to the lord it's a deep personal intimate process of winding ourselves into the lord but note at what point the rope use does the hebrew word denote it as kava it's in the tension when the rope is pulled tight the cords are, are closer together they they the whole strength is 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 utilized across all the strands but they're working together in the tension it's the tensile strength and the word tensile comes from the latin meaning to stretch so this kavar realization of hope in the tension is where the Lord arrested my heart. Hope is realized in the tension. 
Let me give you a, a picture. It's like rock climbers. They prepare all their gear, their ropes, before they embark on a climb. They trust in the equipment and the ropes that they will use and the knowledge that it will carry them and it will hold their weight. But it, they say they, as they are climbing the mountain, say they slip and they fall and they fall. All of a sudden, that said trust in that rope is truly tested. Their heart pounds a little faster as the rope pulls taut and does that snapping sound of a rope. And they dangle off that mountainside. That tension moment is where their trust in the gear and the rope is fully realized. Do you understand what I'm saying? We can trust in those ropes before we embark on the climb, but that trust is fully realized when it is put to use. When they fall out of their own strength, their hands slip from the mountain. They no longer can use their own strength or their own ability. They are now victims to the gravity of their situation. And then they are truly reliant on that kava tension of the rope. That is where our trust is truly realized as believers and as kingdom followers. This is what it means to wait on the Lord, to trust in him. It's in the tension that we learn that where we show our trust in the Lord. Let me give you another scripture from the new covenant this time to illustrate this waiting and hoping in the Lord as kava, which is a resting in his presence during the tension, where we bind ourselves to him, where we find strength and comfort through this divine exchange. That scripture, if you turn there with me, is Hebrews 6. I'm reading from the Passion Translation, but you can read any translation you'd like. Hebrews 6, I'm, I'm reading from the second half of verse 18 to verse 20. Hebrews chapter 6, second half of 18 to 20. The Hebrew author, I really, he really encapsulates what I'm saying in a different way and what Isaiah is saying. This is what Hebrews 6, second half of 18 to 20 says from the Passion. And now we have run into his heart to hide ourselves in his faithfulness. This is where we find his strength and comfort. There are those two words again, his strength and comfort. For he empowers us to seize what he has already, what has already been established ahead of time. What is established? An unshakable hope. Verse 19, we have this certain hope like a strong, unbreakable anchor holding our souls to God himself. Our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat in the heavenly realm, beyond the sacred threshold, and where Jesus, our forerunner, has gone in before us. He is now and forever our royal priest like Melchizedek. This is what biblical waiting and hoping is. It's not a passive passing of time, and waiting for things to improve. Folks, that is the hope the world has been saying and been giving. They are, we are many lockdowns in all our nations waiting for things to improve, waiting for the outside to get better, and only then we emerge. But this is not true biblical hope. Hope is all, Biblical hope is also not a sense of optimism, choosing to think on a positive future outcome. No. True waiting and hoping in the Lord is in the active tension. 
when the rope is at its tightest, when the tension is at its strongest, where our relationship with the Lord is taught as we dangle off life's mountains. Our heart ropes, which are bound in and anchored in the Father through Jesus and the Spirit, are in a state of kava. Where the gravity of our circumstances pull us down, but the trust and the hope of the ropes in the Lord hold us up and keep us from falling. We find strength and comfort, just as Isaiah says, and the Lord promises, in the tension, in the kavah waiting. Just like Israel before us, he has got us and he is not letting us go. He loves us loyally, graciously, mercifully, and compassionately. This is who our Lord is. This is the nature of our Father. He's loyal, he's gracious, he's merciful, and he's compassionate. Folks, this is what the world needs. They need salt and they need light. And that is who the Lord has called us to be. People of hope. Because our hope is not based on our strength. It's not based on our own understanding. It's not based on where we find ourselves. And this is something we all know as kingdom leaders. But I see it now more than ever that we can't just have hope for ourselves. But we need to be bringers of hope. We need to be secure in that tension we, we need to be secure and not knowing what's going to happen but knowing that the lord will see us through knowing that he has got Man. us and he's not letting us go because when we are secure there not in our own abilities not in what we understand but knowing that we are his and he has got us then we can speak that jesus hope to others that need it most let me conclude and in conclusion the lord prompted me to paraphrase Isaiah 40 31 using the above metaphors of the eagle and the rope it, to further bring life to to what I'm sharing today this is my paraphrase version inspired by these quotes that we've read above they that have their whole being intertwined and bound together with the Lord like strands of a rope exchanging their meager strength for his like an eagle in the updraft, they cast themselves upon the Lord. They fall into his mercy and they soar on his character and his promises. They shall exhibit his divine strength. When they are pulled taut, they shall endure the tension of the now and not snap. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at Alpha Omega INT dot org dot z a